everyone, and welcome to another episode of the She Is So Bougie podcast. We are on episode number 10, so that means that we are done with season number one. Yeah, yay for me, I guess. Thank you guys for listening in. I think I have like 6,000 total listeners, which is great. And um, I started this podcast at the beginning of the year, so I definitely should have been uploading more episodes than 10 within these past couple of months, but I have been trying my best. So yeah, we're going to get into season two in the next episode. I also want to mention something else. I am looking to rebrand She Is So Bougie. I've been wanting to rebrand She Is So Bougie for a while now. I kind of rebranded it, but not really. I want to like fully rebrand the She Is So Bougie brand. And the reason why I want to do this is because I created She Is So Bougie when I was like 18, 19 years old. And me at that age, in comparison to me at 24, is like a 360. So the things that I liked back when I was 18, 19, such as like early 2000s video vixens, urban fashion, Y2K fashion, I'm just not, I mean, I do like that stuff, but it's just, I don't have as much as a liking towards that which is to be expected because i did have baby fat 05 tumblr page which essentially was all about early 2000 video vixens and y2k fashion but i have other likes and i would just really like to again rebrand shiso bougie completely into something that's more mature into something that really aligns with the person who i am currently Like even when it comes to the Instagram platform, even though I did kind of quote unquote rebrand it, I just feel like the content that I post on there, it's just content that I feel that the audience would like. Like for example, I do like video vixen highlights and then like highlights of like sweetie. And it's just, it's stuff that I used to like back then and stuff that I don't like currently. So that's why it's really hard for me to post on there because it's like, I don't care about the things that I'm posting about and that's just bad if you have like a blog or a brand you have to like what you're posting about but I don't like it so long story short I'm rebranding don't be surprised if you go on the Shia Sabuji website and the blog is under construction it'll come back sometime in November but um yeah this is much needed so I really want to talk about a personal story a situation that I've been going through since the beginning of 2022 I briefly mentioned this on patreon there was like a personal update post that I did a couple months ago I think it was during the summer but yeah I've been in a job position and it has been the most toxic work environment ever um so toxic like oh my gosh the most toxic work environment I don't think I've ever worked, like in my last position, um, the team was just, it was really small. I only worked with like two other people and they were just really close knit. They were really um, nice. They were really friendly, um, very helpful, very just warm. So to go to that, to another, to a position where everyone is just very toxic, very mean, very cold, very curt, that was just like, a cultural shock because I'm like whoa what is happening um so I work in I don't work in fashion I think a lot of people think that I work in fashion but I work in how can I say this I work in the legal slash consulting marketing and business development field because you know when you major in business um administration you can just work in any field it doesn't have to be fashion plus fashion fashion does not pay a lot of money Okay, so um, yeah, I work in that field and I got the position again like in early 2022 and from the moment that I started to the moment where I eventually quit, I just never felt happy. Like I was like, yo, this is trash. I'm overwhelmed. Um... First of all, you know, my manager did not like me and to work in a work environment where your manager does not like you is really weird. 
And it's weird because I used to think that my manager liked me. Um, but I, I never had a problem with her. It was it was neutral. You know, like I didn't love her. Like, oh, she's the best manager ever. But I didn't like hate her originally. And then my evaluation came and I'm like, oh, you don't like me. So, <laughs> so um, yeah. And yeah, working with an, a manager who doesn't like you, it's like you're not going to grow in such an environment. And then the people who works there, they just, for some reason, they did not trust me and my work, which is something that I've never experienced. I take a lot of pride in myself and my work. Um, I think that I've always been kind of like a perfectionist and something that was always instilled in me from my family is to just always have integrity. So for them to kind of come for my integrity and... Um, it was, it was kind of weird because I was the only black girl who worked on the team. So I, I don't, uh, what do you think? I don't know. Um, but um, it was that. And then just a variety of other, other things. You know, it was just a really stressful environment because it was like I was putting all of this work in for what? Like it wasn't being reciprocated. And I went from being like I've always been a very bubbly, happy easygoing person to people saying, you know, you seem, you seem really, um, down. You don't really see, seem like yourself. Like I was slowly decomposing all for a job. No. And then, um, yeah, I'm like deuces. Like I just, I put my two weeks in and, um, coincidentally there was a position that I actually applied for a couple weeks back before I put in my two weeks and I ended up getting the job. So, you know, when you get rid of that bad energy and when I got rid of that toxic job, the universe was like, okay, I got you. I'm gonna give you a position. You know, that's that's just how it works. But I'm saying this personal story to say, it's really important to take note of red flags because I feel like I, I do a good job when it comes to like, getting rid of toxic people. Like if someone's toxic um, in my personal life, I'm like, bye, like I will never talk to you again. But I don't think I've ever been in that sad situation when it came to a work environment. Another thing is that I overthink a lot. So a lot of the situations that were happening to me, I'm like, um, maybe I'm just being dramatic, but they would happen repeatedly. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not being dramatic. This is valid. And I definitely should have quit like within like three months. <laughs> um, and yeah, and sometimes confrontation in the work environment, in the workplace, it can be very intimidating. And, you know, like calling someone out, um, doing anything of that nature can be very intimidating because you're like, I don't want to lose my job. But you really need to kind of get into the mindset where you just don't care because at the end of the day, defending yourself is very important. So in this episode, I'm going to mostly speak on professionalism and how to get people in the workplace to respect you and how to not take any mess. <laughs> so let's get into the things that I have learned that can help hopefully hope, help you guys as well. So let's talk. I wanna speak on like being introverted in the workplace and like even if you're just starting out in corporate America and you just find yourself to be a very quiet and reserved person, unfortunately, the workplace does not like us um, introverts. And I'm going to bring race into this because I just think that race matters. Like <laughs> we can um, try to eliminate it and not think that it's a thing in the workplace, but it is. I think that you know, I've had counterparts who were coworkers who were much more introverted than I was and who came into work, did their work, left, didn't care about going to an after work happy hour, didn't care about going to after work events. They just was like, I'm here to work and deuces. But, you know, no one bothered them. But let's say that I were to do that and I was looked at as not wanting to be there. So I do think that race plays a part when working in corporate America, you know, there's some things that someone who is not as melanated 
as myself could get away with and things that I could not get away with. And it's just something to acknowledge, you know? Is being introverted a good thing or a bad thing? I think that it's a bad thing. There's been, I remember I was in an internship and it was um, at a PR public relations firm. This was a well-known boutique agency. This was back when I wanted to be like Samantha Jones and I wanted to be a publicist, but that went away after like a year. But I interned at a public relations firm in New York. They had a lot of fashion brands that they um, represented. It was a good internship, but for some reason, there was this girl, a part of the internship, who did not like how reserved I was. And for some reason, she reported how quiet and reserved I was to the manager. And she was like, oh, she just doesn't seem like she wants to be here. And the manager came back to me, like, and she said, this person said that you don't want to be here. What's up with that? And I've said, you know, like I've proven that I wanted to be here. I remember I was commuting like two hours away from home. I had to wake up at like 4 a.m. every single day to commute to that set internship. So if I didn't want to be there, then what the heck? Like, I could just quit. <laughs> like, it made no sense. But because I was introverted and because I stayed to myself and because I wasn't really key keen, I mean, I've always been like a very kind person, but especially back then, I think I was like 19, 20, I was very quiet. I was a lot quieter than I am now. So, just things like that. Like, I remember I when I used to work retail, there was this manager that I used to have, and he was like, you know, like, you don't show how much of a cool person you are to other people. You only show that with me because me and him, you know, he was a cool person. And I'm like, why? <laughs> and like, I, I never understood why people were so triggered by my introvertness. Like, how does me being quiet and reserved but still getting work done, like it wasn't like I was a slacker, I was still getting my work done. How does that affect you? And why are you so offended by me not being hype and not being all in your face. So I never understood that, but the more I've kind of climbed the ladder in corporate America, the more that I'm like, okay, like I have to force myself to be extroverted because clearly people have a problem with me being introverted and it doesn't really take me far. And especially if you want promotions in the workplace, you're not gonna go far by being an introverted person. So I have to put on an act at work and be an extroverted person when in reality I'm very introverted. So I just don't think that being introverted in workplace environments is going to take you far. You just have to say hi to everyone who comes your way. You have to say good morning. You have to say good afternoon. You have to go to those after work, after hours. You have to go to those after work events. You have to always say your opinions in meetings. You just have to do that in order to play the game, unfortunately. Like, I wish that people would better understand people who are quiet and reserved and to themselves, but they do not. So um, yeah, how do you finesse turning into an extrovert when you're secretly an introvert at work? Let's talk about it. So the first thing, operation, turn into an extrovert, um, is to always say hi to people. Like when you enter a room, Make sure to say good morning, good afternoon, hey, how are you, how was your weekend, good morning, you know, like just stuff like that. It really takes you far and it gives you the reputation of being a very positive and friendly person. I know that sometimes as introverts, we may give like a little, a little smile and a little wave, but that's not enough because sometimes people just don't look at that as a greeting. They look at that to be rude. I've known people who thought that me waving and giving a little smile, it was just not enough for them. So come up to people, look them in the eye, give a handshake, whatever. Say hello, good morning. How are you? How was your weekend? How was your holiday? You got to do that, okay? Like I, I know it's so, it's so annoying, like, <laughs> but you have to greet people and you have to acknowledge people because if you don't, you're looked at as a weirdo. Step number 
too. You have to be engaged, okay? You have to be engaged in meetings. If you're in a meeting and you're just not saying anything and you're just kind of sticking to yourself, you're not raising your hand, you're not giving your input. If you've been in a meeting and you haven't said not one thing throughout that whole entire 30 minutes to an hour, you're not making an impression. You know, like they don't trust you, like you're not giving any insight. Even if it's just a couple of times when you give your insight and when you raise your hand, it has to be something like, do you guys remember Rory Gilmore from the Gilmore Girls when she worked with the journalists and she was just very meek and that's why he looked at her as an assistant because she was just kind of doing what was told. She was never pitching in ideas. She was just very, she was an assistant. I don't know why she wanted to be a journalist. That's insane why Rory Gilmore wanted to be a journalist. She was very introverted, but um, you have to make an effort. Even if you don't care about what's going on in the meeting, you need to make an effort to raise your hand and to give your insight and to give your um, recommendation. You know, you have to do that. You have to be engaged. You have to take note. That's just, it's very important. It'll really take you far. Step number three is to always defend yourself like i think that taking note of red flags in corporate america is really important i think that's a lesson that i took from that last toxic job position that i was in is that if you notice something that seems to be a little bit suspect don't doubt yourself don't say oh i'm overthinking talk to someone about it confront that person you know you need to make it known that you're annoying you need to be you want people to kind of be scared of you like oh my god if i do this to her she's going to take it out of context i'm sorry but having that reputation where you're very assertive and you're always defending yourself i think that's better than being quiet and just being meek and not really saying your opinion about anything so if something bothers you if someone keeps overstepping their boundaries let's say that a coworker keeps over talking you in a meeting Say, hey, every time we're in a meeting and every time I try to speak, you keep over talking me. I would suggest that in meetings in the future, you let me talk. <laughs> like it's okay to say that and it's okay to express your feelings because that is how people will respect you. And I guarantee that if you tell someone that, they will not over talk you again because you express that to them. And a lot of the times people are just very unaware so you can't expect someone to treat you a certain way when they just don't, they're not aware of your standards. So you need to tell them your standards in order for them to kind of get with the program. Another step is attend after work events. I know it's like the worst, especially happy hours because I do not drink. So having to force myself to go to happy hours is just really uncomfortable because everyone around me is progressively like getting drunk and they're saying things that should not be said in work environments. Yes, after work events are considered to be work environments, but um, you're gonna look be looked at as very standoffish if you keep saying no to after work events. You know, I know that some companies does like sports day, um, Christmas parties, holiday parties, again, happy hours. Like you need to go to some of those. I'm not saying you need to go to all of those, but you need to go to some of those. I would say maybe when you first start out at a job position, you should go to like all of the events happening in that month. That's just my suggestion. And then maybe after you've been there for like six months, you can start saying yes or no to certain events and you can just start only going to events that you generally want to go to but when first starting out you kind of have to go to those events you need to meet higher ups you need to have a good in impression to those since you're new and i do think that that will take you far um another step is to memorize people i have a really bad time with memorizing names like i could see someone on a daily basis and i'm like wait i i you told me your name like 10 times i just i forgot it <laughs> and that's something that i really had to work on like now i keep spreadsheets of everyone who i've met at work with like in a description like rob he has red hair like that's just things that i do because I don't remember people's names. Like someone can tell me their name. I'm like, what? Like, I, I, I forgot what your name is. Like five seconds after the conversation has occurred. Um, but memorizing names is really important because it shows that you really care. And it shows that the conversation that you've had with that said person 
meant something to you even if it didn't <laughs> so um yeah and just like repeating their name in conversation just shows that you're engaged in that said conversation so like oh yeah angela and i know that this that and the third yeah angela okay angela like <laughs> doing stuff like that it really makes you seem very engaged and um as an introverted we need to finesse and act extroverted even though we're not okay so another thing to mention is to not be too nice in work environments i know that in the last section i kind of i i want you guys to be friendly there's a difference between being friendly and being nice like a friendly person she's very warm um she's always greeting you when she comes in contact with you versus a nice person a nice person that's not something that i ever want to be labeled and it's because I'm reading a book and it's called Not Nice. And it's really talking about the disadvantages of being labeled as a nice person. Like a nice person to me is someone who gets taken advantage of. It's someone who is very gullible. It's someone who doesn't stick up for themselves. For themselves. So you never want to be too nice in any situation. But in particular in work environments, you always want to be friendly um, all while being assertive because who can I use as an example? I'm going to use Amorosa Eel. I know like not a good person, but I really like her interviewing style. Like she's very in every conversation and in every interview that she's been on, she kind of takes the will and she's very assertive. She makes people scared. I don't care. Like you can watch that Wendy Williams interview. She's very intimidating. I love that. Like I want to have that energy. I don't care. Um, she's very curt. Like she doesn't, I would consider her to be very nice, nasty. It's like, I'll be nice to you if you're nice to me. You know, talk to me nice. I'll reciprocate the type of energy that you're, that you're giving me. If you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. If you're disrespectful towards me i'll come at you 10 times harder and i think that that's the type of mindset that we should all have especially at work because if you're too nice nice equals an idiot i'm just going to be honest like that's very blunt but nice equals someone who's weak it equals someone who is not to be taken seriously but if you know your worth and you're very confident within yourself and you stick up for yourself on a daily basis and you check people when they need to be checked that's something that's admirable and people will like that about you and that will make you stand out and if people do not appreciate you being quick to defend yourself and want you to be a meek person then that's not the job position for you and it's time to move on to the next but um i'm saying that to say that it's important I guess that's a good word that I said. It's important to be nice, nasty. Like you're nice. I don't like that word nice, but you're friendly. But, you know, don't mess with me because I know my worth. And I know what I deserve and I will come back at you 10 times worse if you're disrespectful towards me. So that's how you should be in work environments. Another thing is professionalism is very important, especially I'm going to bring up race again because it is so important. But as black women, you just have to be very professional, like times 10. I feel like you have to work like as harder as your counterparts when you're black because that's just how the world is. But um, like I remember I used to work with this girl. And this girl, she was, um, first of all, when she started the position, this was like years ago, she didn't like it. Like, she was like, this is so stupid. Like, she was like the epitome of like a valley girl. Like, she was like, this is so dumb. It's so stupid. This company is so, it's so disorganized. But like, that's the thing. She always expressed her thoughts. Like, I remember in meetings, even though this was very unprofessional, like she, she's as a whole was just a very unprofessional person. But I remember in the meeting, she was like, like she would just always say her opinion. She was like, that's stupid. No, like that's so dumb. Like, like, like that was the type of person that she was. And while the average person is like, wow, that's so unprofessional. I was like, that's kind of dope because they actually liked that about her. Like they liked how open she was and how opinionated she was and how she wasn't afraid to say her thoughts. I wouldn't recommend everyone to do that because not all positions or, or companies are that lax. Because her approach was very blunt. Like, I would never, um, 
no. And besides that, she was very um, unprofessional as well. I remember we were on a meeting with a client. She would say like, dude and yo. And I remember I told her, you know, like the client, you, you told it, you called him a dude. She was like, oh, that was bad. Like <laughs> It was crazy. And it, you know what's crazy about it? is that she ended up getting a promotion like six months in. So I don't know, like, what does that tell you? It tells you that being yourself, being confident, having an I don't care attitude, because that's how she presented herself. Um, she had like, a, I don't care if they want to fire me, they can fire me. I'm going to say what I want. I'm going to do what I want. And they can either accept me or they can't. And they accepted her and they gave her a promotion like six months, a really good promotion, like six months into the job. So that goes to show like she wasn't nice she wasn't agreeable with everything she wasn't oh yeah i'm i'm okay with that like she was just like that's dumb that's stupid hey dude like she was just 100 percent herself she lacks professionalism which is something that i didn't agree with um i wouldn't suggest you guys to lack professionalism but just be blunt um be unapologetic at work like because either they like it or they don't and if they don't like it then that's just not the position for you i feel like if you're young and you're going through the motions of corporate america you know if you don't like a job just leave like it's not we're gen what gen are you guys <laughs> um i'm a millennial which I, I was born like in the cutoff so like 99 anyways but um yeah we're the new generation. I'm assuming that the majority of my audience is like older Gen Zs, but we're the new generation. Like we're not like baby boomers and Gen X who stays at jobs for 30 years. Like the thought of staying at a job for 30 years is it no, sorry, my max is like 3 to 4. Um so we don't put up with like crap and either if you like it then stay. If you don't like it, then buy. If they do something that's stupid, then buy. And I think that's the mindset that you have to have when working in corporate America. Like, it's not something that you're going to have forever. It's just for the meantime and between time. And let's just keep it a buck. You just work to get a paycheck. So might as well work in an environment that respects you. And this last section, I really want to speak on finessing because I feel like life is all about finessing. Like, especially in jobs, how do you finesse that job that you're very well underqualified for? How do you finesse that promotion? How do you finesse the interview? Let's talk about like being, wanting to apply to a job that you're quote unquote unqualified for. Because I know so many finance bros who make like six figures a year. They are so, like I'm just going to Put it bluntly they're so dumb and i'm just like how are you making like 100k 150k you're working at mckensley you're working at all these big firms how are you doing this because you're just like they're just like very lax like they don't really care about what they're doing this is just my the finance boost that i know but like it just goes to show you that if you have enough confidence and if you know your worth, then you can get any job that you want. Like you don't have to have qualifications because I know people who've only had like internship experience and been on jobs for less than a year, but they go out of college making like 95K. So you just have to know how to finesse. If you don't know how to finesse when working in corporate America, then you are going to get stepped on, especially in interviews. Like I've always said this, and this is advice that I like give my friends, but when you're interviewing for a company, you're interviewing them. You know, like if you go to the next step after like the phone screen, you get to the actual interview, you already have the qualifications. Like they already looked at your resume and said, okay, that this can potentially be a good fit. So now it's your chance to see if you like the company, it's your chance to really interview them. It's your chance to see if you like the hiring manager. It's not an interview for you. You're interviewing them. You're interviewing that said company. I, I guess we're talking about interviews, but my tip is like, don't lie. <laughs> don't do that. Like, don't say you worked at like Google. You didn't work at Google, but it's okay to like exaggerate. It's okay if they say, give an example of a challenge you faced. Um, I know, what's another? 
good. What's another interview questions? Because they ask the same things. Give an example of accomplishment that you accomplished at work. You can say, oh, I came up with an idea for an intake form, like, like to make processes more efficient. Like it's not lying. You're just exaggerating. Like you could have done that. Just fluff it up. Like give a little bit of exaggeration in terms of the job duties that you did. Oh, I managed, <laughs> I managed um, the web team. Cause who's gonna check you? Like no one's gonna check you. No, like watch someone say that this is like terrible advice, but seriously, like everyone that I know who has like higher up positions, they always did that in, in interviews. They just kind of, they didn't lie. They just exaggerated their job duties to make it sound more aligned with the um, position. And that's how they got that set position, even though they were quote unquote underqualified. And you really just have to be confident in interviews. Like I know that I'm worth making this amount of money. There's no such thing as being underqualified. I got to the first interview. So apparently you guys liked my resume and I'm going to show you just how qualified I am for this role. If they don't like you, then whatever, move on to the next. But um, you should always aim high in each job that you apply for. Like always aim for the highest because it's what you deserve. And then let's talk about like promotions. Like I feel that after six months to a year, like I, I think that Gen Z's, and someone mentioned this, but we're very adamant about promotions like we want to be a manager by like 25 which is rightfully so like we want to get out of college becoming um an associate or a manager um that's just we don't want to climb the corporate ladder we already want to be on a senior level you know and i love that about this generation if you feel that you've been putting in your work like for the past six to six months to a year and you've had like a one-on-one -on -one with your manager expressing your concerns and expressing how you've been really putting in work towards your position, how that you're looking for a promotion, it's time to go, okay? Like don't extend your stay at a position that is not appreciating you. This only applies if you really feel that you've been like going above and beyond and you've been putting in work and you just feel that everyone is surpassing you. Um, like find another position. I would, I can't beg someone to see my worth and neither should you guys. Like if someone's not giving you a promotion and you've been putting in just work every single day that you've been on that position, then like you can't force them to see that. You just have to skedaddle. And something, another pro tip is to just have a broad book that just outlines your accomplishments and all that projects that you've been doing within the past six months to a year that you can show that to your manager and if after that initial meeting they don't really do anything about it then just look for another position like it's not it's not rocket science just leave like i really want to instill that in this episode is that jobs are very replaceable like you can work as many jobs if you want as long as you are leaving jobs for a valid reason and um until you find that right fit that's what the end all goal is. Okay, so we are going to answer some ask questions before I get into this. Um, the whole ask question submission process is going to halt. So those of you guys who have been asking questions through the website, because I will be revamping the website these past couple of weeks, um, it will no longer be available. So for future episodes, if you want to ask a question, just DM me on the She is So Bougie Instagram account and I will answer that question in an incoming episode. But I am going to keep these questions like corporate and work related just because it kind of makes sense. So question number one. How do I get used to working in a corporate environment coming from someone who just graduated from college? I find myself to be very exhausted every day that I come in from work and I am having a very hard time when it comes to balancing a work-life balance. Any advice would help. Yeah, when I first started working in corporate America, I feel like it was really hard to just juggle work with like a social life. And I just didn't think that I had time for like anything. I don't know. It's like different because college, even though college was a lot in itself, working every day from nine to five, it's just 
different and it seems to take a lot of your energy than school did. I don't, it's so weird, but it did. But yeah, I remember my first year working in corporate America, I was just like really exhausted. Like I felt like I didn't have time for anything. It was just all about work. And I think that's something that really helped me was one, definitely find a position if you haven't already that offers a hybrid schedule so that you are able to like maybe only come in the office just once or twice a week or even maybe three times. That's better than coming in every single day. And plus, working from home, I just feel like you're able to just make time for yourself. Like you're able to take constant breaks. Well, at least I do. You're able to have like a nice morning routine to yourself. You're not rushing. And it's just it's just a better experience to have a hybrid work schedule. And then another thing is to have a social life. I think that more than ever, when you start to work, you need to have a social life because there was definitely a time where I was just working like five days during the week and then the weekends, I was just like worried about work. So it's important even during the week to just implement something that really makes you happy and that's a part of your downtime. So whether this includes, I don't know, like hanging out with your friends every Friday night or going to like after work happy hours or maybe going to the gym or taking like a cycling class in the morning before work. Like you have to make time for social time and to implement things into your daily day that brings you peace and brings you happiness. So that's my suggestion. Question number two, because we're in such a competitive job market, what are some ways that I can find my first job out of college? This is a good question. I would suggest applying. I apply on both LinkedIn. Yeah, just LinkedIn. I find that Indeed used to work like back in the day, but Indeed All of the jobs on Indeed, they're jobs that like are from like 20 days ago. Like it's just very old job. Um, I don't know what happened to Indeed. Like it's a really bad job board. So my pro tip for LinkedIn is when I was looking for a job, I always set alerts for like the particular company that I wanted to work for. And um, as soon as they listed a position, once their LinkedIn profile, I would get an alert and I would apply like as soon as possible. I would be the first applicant because I do not apply to positions on LinkedIn with more than like 50 applicants. Like if a position has 1000 plus applicants, I am not applying. I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, I have faith in myself, but I cannot succeed amongst a thousand other people like that's impossible another thing that i do is i like connect with the hiring managers on linkedin hiring managers recruiters etc i always connect with them i think that's something that gives you a competitive advantage is to kind of send them a message and just tell them a little bit about yourself um tell them about your professional accomplishments just give like a brief summary about who you are and who you are as a professional and proceed to ask them, like, do you guys have any positions that are open that may be of interest to me? They might say yes, they might say no. If they say no, they'll still take you into consideration and they may reach out to you in the future about a a job position that may may be of interest to you just because you did reach out and um, you made that effort to let them know that you are interested in working for that said company. But yeah, those are the ways that I go about jobs and LinkedIn, I really think that you need to have a competitive advantage. Like what about your profile is going to differentiate yourself from other candidates' profiles? So reaching out to recruiters, um, setting alerts for company that you want to wish work for, things like that. Like you have to really be on top of it to get a job because again, you're right. Like it's a very competitive market and everyone and their mama is looking for a job. So just be on the lookout. 
And then another pro tip that I have is I only, when I am looking for a position, I only apply like during specific months. So I don't apply to jobs during the summertime because it's just impossible to get a job during the summertime. Like everyone's on vacation. So I mostly start like applying to jobs during like, I would say September up until, yeah, December, because that's kind of like open enrollment. Like people are looking for candidates. It's almost the beginning of a new year. That's like the perfect time to apply to a job. Can you speak more about your experience going to a fashion college in New York City? For example, what was the application process like? Did you like it? Also, what are the pros and cons of working in the fashion industry? Okay, so I went to the Laboratory Institute of Fashion Merchandising, LIM. Um, Yeah, I don't see the point in keeping the college that I went to as a secret. It is not that deep. But I really enjoyed going to LIM, unlike, let's say, Parsons or FIT, which focuses more so on the design aspect of the fashion industry. Um, LIM, their slogan is where business meets fashion. So it was more the business side of the fashion industry. I participated in their high school... Um, summer program for two years throughout my high school years. I think this was during my sophomore and junior year. So I kind of already familiarized myself with the campus and the school and the professors so that when I did actually attend my freshman year of college, I was kind of already, you know, familiar. And um, the application process, like, I don't remember anything when it comes to application processes and college applications and admission. I don't remember anything. Like I have really bad long-term memory, but I just remember it being very seamless and quick. And then within a couple of months, I got accepted. I do think that me attending their um, summer program when I was in high school was definitely an advantage of why I got accepted. And I did apply to FIT, but I was on like the wait list. And I'm like, okay, like I'm almost out of my senior year, I'm just going to accept the um, LIM <laughs> offer. Like, that's that's dumb. But I really enjoyed LIM. Like, I know people who I went to school with who were like, oh, LIM is trash, yada, yada, yada. But in my experience, I never had a problem with LIM. I think I learned a lot. I think that if I were to go to like a traditional college, I would not have enjoyed it, but I really did enjoy going to LIM. Going to like college in New York City in general is very untraditional because like I didn't have a college campus. It was like three buildings, two buildings was besides one another. And then there was another building that was like three metro stops away. So it was a very weird, non-traditional college experience, but I liked it nonetheless. Um, A lot of the professors that I had, they actually worked in the fashion industry. Um, There are a lot of professors who I loved. Like my first semester, I took a marketing class and that's when I knew I wanted to work in marketing. Yeah, that was kind of consistent. Like when it comes to my career, and it's because of that professor that um, really increased my liking towards the marketing um, field. So yeah, I had a great experience, super fun, super cool. Lots of cool people went to LIM. Yeah, I have no no cons, not a lot of cons. Well, one con would be living on campus because I lived on campus the first year. Then after that first year of living on campus, I'm like, this is very, it's very ghetto and I need to go like as soon as possible. Yeah, it was just... I hated their on campus. I hated living in the dorms, period. That just wasn't, I don't know, maybe I'm like too bougie to live in the the dorms, but I just couldn't do it. Like I went home almost every weekend to go back to the comfort of my nice room. Dorms smelled like weed like 24 seven and I have bad asthma. So it was just, it was, it was awful. (laughs) Um, There were rats in the dorms. Like it was, it was so ghetto. And I'm like, I need to, I cannot stay in here for another year. And plus the dorms, it wasn't primarily like LIM college students. There was like another college living in the dorms. I think it was like Barach. Do you guys know that college? It's in New York City, Barach University, something like that. That was the only con. Like I hated 
living in the dorms. It was the worst experience I've ever experienced. Other than that, I really did like my time at LIM. To answer the other half of the question about working in fashion, I don't know. I feel like working in the fashion industry, it's has a lot of cons rather than pros. I think that a lot of the people who I know personally who got a job in fashion, they got the job through connections rather than applying on, say, LinkedIn or Indeed, just because it's a very competitive field to get into. Like my friend, she got a job in the fashion industry because her mom was a buyer for Neiman. So she had a connection at Neiman's and that's how she was able to get the job. And that's just how it is for a lot of people who work in fashion. Like it's, it's about who you know. You know, like you, it's a really slim chance for you to get a job working in the fashion industry by applying on a job board, just because they're getting in like thousands of applicants. So you really have to know someone who knows someone to get a job in the fashion industry, and that's just that's just facts. And another con of working in fashion is that the pay is extremely low okay like the fashion industry does not pay a lot of money especially for like big brands they just don't pay a lot um because i transitioned from working in fashion to working in like the legal field because when you have a degree in business administration you can technically work wherever you want it doesn't have to be in fashion even though my degree is a ba in fashion merchandising i can work in any field that i want to work in but like the difference in salary and compared to working in the fashion industry versus working in a law firm, it's crazy. Like the fashion industry does not pay a lot of money, especially the cost of living in New York City is a lot. So the costs of salary that they're giving is just insane. But yeah, I don't know. Those are the two cons of working in fashion. You have to know someone and it's really hard to get in. And then they do not pay a lot. And like a lot of people who work in fashion, I'm just going to keep it a buck. They're like trust fund babies. So they don't really care that they get paid like 40K a year because they're living off of their parents. <laughs> and that's just facts. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's just my opinion about the fashion industry. Like I can see myself working in the fashion industry again in years to come because I love fashion. And that's just if you ask me what I'm passionate about, it's about the fashion industry. But for now, I need money and <laughs> they're not providing that. So um, that's just something to keep in mind if you do want to pursue um, a career in fashion. It's really hard to break into. Next question, what are some ways that I can tone down my style in a work setting? What are some stores that I can shop at that specializes in work clothing? I feel like when I started working in corporate america i definitely like toned down my style not just for work but just like my personal style as well because when i first started working i had like longer nails i was wearing lashes i wore my hair like a different way which is cool but um not okay for corporate america um things that i did like i definitely shortened my nails I wore like really long acrylics, like super long acrylics back in the day. But when I got into corporate America, I'm like, this is not professional. So I I had to, you know, cut it down. And then another thing that I did was obviously I stopped wearing lashes. And it's crazy because ever since I stopped wearing lashes, like strip lashes, I just stopped wearing it like period. Because I feel like, I don't know, lashes it kind of just takes away my eyes i noticed that like i don't know like i'm not a lash girl anymore and it's so weird like i i've tried to like put on a lash the other day but i'm like this does not look right like i'd rather just do like a nice bold winged eyeliner and just my lashes my natural lashes and yeah they're very sparse but i look better and i look less all in your face like those long mink um lashes they look crazy sometimes so those are some ways that you can like tone down your style just keep it simple but still keep it cute do you guys okay there's a certain style that i like for work like it's like the corporate baddie style and my definition of the corporate baddie style it's you look professional but you still look you still look cute like you still look like a bombshell and that's why I really like, um, there's a reporter and journalist, 
Taylor Rooks. Everybody knows her because she is like the finest girl who is in sports media. But when she was first like coming out in the world of sports journalism, she wore like the perfect work outfits. They weren't too professional. They weren't too, you know, prim and proper. They were very just, they fit her frame very well and she still looked really good. And then I really liked, I don't like her, but she's, she, had, she served some looks back in the day. But um, Kim Kardashian, she, back in like 2010s, she wore a lot of like pencil skirts and a lot of very flattering blouses and um, just that whole era that she had. Like she had a very business casual era back in the day. This was during the era when she still looked Middle Eastern, but um, she really looked really good and she kind of personified that corporate baddie look that I like to go for for work. Doors to shop at, I would suggest Bloomingdale's has a brand and it's called Aqua. I think that they're semi-affordable. Um, DKNY has some very nice stuff. BCBG. You can get trousers from Zara, Aritzia. Ted Baker has like the most adorable pieces. I love Ted Baker for work clothing. So yeah, you can shop at a variety of different places to find your ideal work wardrobe. Another question is, what are some ways that I can stay organized at work? Two things, I would suggest Notion and I would also suggest a physical agenda. I have like a separate agenda for work. I have a Lily Pulitzer agenda that I use for personal tasks and other tasks that I need to get done. And then I have like a separate agenda for work. It's like everything is work related. I write down all my work related passwords, just things of that nature in that work agenda. And it really keeps me on track with work. I never like to mix up my personal and my work agenda amongst one because that would just freak me out. So that's very helpful to me. And then I have a Notion template as well, just to like write tasks that, or maybe like let's say projects that I'm working on and just all of um, deliverables that I need to deliver, um, the due dates, like things like that. I like to write that in Notion. So those are the ways that I like to stay organized. And then last question, because this episode is over 30 minutes. How do you juggle work and Shia So Bougie as someone who is also looking to start a blog? Um, I really make time for Shia So Bougie. Like I just, I make time. I think that it's something that I really love and it's something that's like a hobby to me. So I think it's important for me to create a schedule where I can make time to film podcast episodes and to create blog posts. I do not like to do work during the weekends i just don't that's something that's like a non-negotiable for me so um i don't know some days i just wake up at like 5 30 to film episodes 5 30 a.m to film episodes some days i edit and things of that nature during my lunch breaks and after work so i just make time and i think it's important if you want to have a blog as well and if it's something that you're very passionate about, you just have to make time, you know? You may have to do business-related tasks during the weekends or during your breaks, and it's just, you just have to do it, you know? So that's how I make time for She is So Bougie. So that is it for this episode. If you're an avid listener of She is So Bougie, I would highly recommend subscribing to the Patreon platform, which is at Shia Sobuji. Follow me at the Shia Sobuji Instagram. Thank you for tuning in and until next time.